What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Podcast. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. Tonight, I'm joined by the homie Alex Sindelar from basically everywhere. He's a Lone Ranger right now. Uh, we're going to recap Creighton's 69, nice, 62 win over DePaul. Um, answer all your questions and hopefully entertain the masses as we go along. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're doing this for a DePaul game because what better team to analyze? Um, like when did you, when were you worried at all tonight, Alex? Like watch, I know how you get with your heart rate and whatnot for Creighton games. So I just want to know what was your stress level? What was the highest it got tonight watching, uh, the blue demons push the blue Jays? Um, so I think it was, it was like three minutes left in the second half. Uh, I think Creighton was up by two, maybe it was 61, 60. Okay. Something like that. And I could feel my heart rate increase (laughs) as it went to like commercial. And I kept thinking during the commercial break, I'm like, fuck, if this actually happens, if they actually lose to Paul, like, what do I do? Like what happens to my mental stasis? Like, do I just completely break down? Or do I just laugh it off and like find some ways to do it? And then I didn't worry too much after the commercial break came back because I'm like, oh, right, it's DePaul. <laughs> I mean, the entire game was awful. Like start to finish, just a terrible. If you're if you're solely from a, a fan's perspective watching the game, it was really bad to watch. <laughs> I think you put it. I think you put you had the best tweet of the night because you were like, you're like DePaul managed to chew, turn shit posting into a basketball game. That's it. Like, you know that's what, what it was that? like. Yeah, that's what it felt like. You know what was for me was, was fu- kind of funny is uh, uh, I was on like the pregame show with Ravi or whatever, and uh, <laughs> we basically started off by saying that Charlie Moore is not a good point guard. <laughs> and so he was asking me like keys to victory and I hadn't even like, he's like, what, what would it take for DePaul to be like in this game for it to be a tough one for Creighton to win or whatever? Cause honestly, everything on paper was like, they're bad defensively or they're really bad offensively. And that kind of like affects their defense. So they just get blown out. Um, Cause Butler came in and like worked them. It's like, but there's right. not even all that. Um but then I heard that Charlie Moore got scratched and I was just thinking, I didn't say it at the time, but I was thinking, I was like, this is probably an amazing thing for DePaul's chances tonight because he's horrendous. And without him they're I think they're better because who runs the team? Like Javon Freeman, Liberty, uh, Kobe Elvis, like all the, both of those dudes for me are better than Charlie Moore. So I'm just like, I think DePaul is going to be in this one for some weird reason. I just, I just feel it because I think he, I don't know. He's just turnover prone, which is not good because you don't want to give Creighton opportunities in transition <clears throat> and then end up playing out that way. So like DePaul had what, how many turnovers they finished with? Let me check real quick. Uh, 11, but I mean, I thought a few of those, like they had four of those late which is when Creighton, like, reason Creighton won the game. Um, yeah, so, like, no Charlie Moore. I think I think I said it at halftime. What, what did I say? I How did I say it? Uh, yeah, it's like everyone 
everyone, DePaul doesn't have Charlie Moore tonight, and they're still tied at halftime. <laughs> that was like me. Yeah. DePaul is tied at halftime tonight because they don't have Charlie Moore. <laughs> like yeah. that's what it was for me. It's like they're they're like more to who they can be in terms of not turning the ball over as much, not giving Creighton easy opportunities in transition, flying around defensively, not jacking up stupid shots on offense every time down, although they still do that quite a bit. But, you know, like I, I think when I look at Charlie Moore as a point guard, he's got ability, right? So if you put a highlight reel together, it probably looks good. But I think there's like a net negative there that doesn't get talked about enough. Like he hurts, he hurts more than he helps, even though when he helps, it looks cool. Right. I, I called him like the poor man's Cavell Witter. Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, not, not great. Kind of a volume scorer, volume shooter. Oh, not kind of. Definitely. <laughs> like all everything you go back throughout his career, volume scorer for sure. But I mean, he's, yeah. So I called him poor man's <laughs> Cavell Witter because there's got to be a different option that's better than him that'll actually like pass the ball. And I think we kind of saw that tonight a little bit. What DePaul looks like without Charlie Moore, clearly <laughs> a better product. But I mean, defensively, they played fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the way they defended screens was really well done. Or they the way they physical. defended Mitch. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I think that I think they're I think they're actually pretty good defensively. Like I, I know it sounds crazy to say <clears throat> that DePaul is good at something, but because <laughs> they take they're, they're losing every time they're out pretty much but i don't know i just think they're really long um they're opportunistic and if they get if they start turning you over they can turn those into buckets easily because they can get down the floor quick but i mean i thought they were just really sharp tonight they were they were flying around um they were covering those ball screens pretty well they were rotating really well because creighton got into the paint sometimes but they either covered it up and they were able to rotate out to the shooters. Um, I think maybe too much because then Creighton started to exploit that in the second half with the, the flip up to the rim. So, you know, there were, there were counters that were available in the first half that and early in the second that Creighton didn't utilize as much as they should have. But I, th- I thought DePaul played well defensively and, and offensively they're so bad that you take whatever you get from them. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they can keep you in the game with with a guy going off like Ray uh, Salvini was or Salvini, um, Ray, Ray Salnave, and honestly, oh, Salnave, sorry, yeah, <clears throat> Ray Salnave. I'm sorry, but there's a guy named Ray Salnave who scored 21 points against Creighton tonight. Yeah, in Big East play, he was averaging three coming in, 2.6, 2.9, three. No, I thought it was 2.6. No, it was not. Well, you know, I saw the stat differently than you, but then again, it was CBS Sportsnet, so who knows? <laughs> well, I saw it accurately, so it was 2.9. Um, I think we should argue about this some more. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting. That was, I mean, yeah. Ray Salnave. Here's the thing, though. He was pretty good scorer at Monmouth, so I remember when they got him, it seemed like it was like a big deal when he, when they, he did transfer there because he was mm-hmm. a pretty good mid-major player. And he's going to DePaul, so they automatically – I mean, if they can get a good mid-major player, that's better than what they have. So, But, I mean, that's a lot uh, so, But he, had, he hadn't performed very well so far. Like, he hadn't – I don't know what it was, but maybe it's just playing with Charlie Moore, honestly. Like, God, I mean, I'm serious. Like, the dude, the dude makes horrifying decisions as a point guard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so he's going off. 
Uh, Freeman Liberty played well. I thought Kobe Elvis played pretty well. Um, I mean, that's the guy that has the coolest name in the league right there. His name's Kobe, and the last name is Elvis, for crying out loud. Like, I just want that guy to be first team all league his whole career because that name deserves it. Um, Offensively, offensively, you just take whatever you get from them. If they can score and keep up with a good team, awesome. If they can get, if they can steal some buckets off their defense, even better. Um, That's how they're going to win because they're not good offensively. They're really bad. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't move it well. They don't, they don't, they're not structured well. Um, They kind of just go in and act all crazy and and try to, you know, get these. I mean, I've never seen them like get decleated, kind of, if you will, like where they just go in and someone ends up just getting trucked. They have that every game where they just take a guy and they drive down Broadway and then just get absolutely smashed by a big man. And like, (laughs) I, I don't know why that's a staple of their offense, but it is. They get hit hard. And I think they welcome that contact. <clears throat> and I mean, you know, you saw it early in the game with Denzel's flagrant foul. That was like, the dude just like embraced being trucked and he fell over and like <laughs> laid down. It's like, God, that hurts so bad. And it's like, yeah, but you guys do that every game. Why do you have to do it? And then, you know, the ref show that yeah. was, but it's like, that's just DePaul. That whole game was DePaul basketball. 100%. They controlled and I mean, it and it looked like a mess. Like that was the Paul ball. Yep. But it's like a, it's a psychological game they play on top of everything else. Because it's like when, when they inbounded it to, to Zeggy and Zeggy pushed off of Javon uh, Freeman Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Freeman Liberty just flopped, <coughs> right? I mean, he yeah. just, yeah, he did the yeah, whole he sold it. Down. Yeah, yeah, they call the foul. I'm like, that's what DePaul does. That's like, it, it goes back to the shit posting thing, right? Because it's like the dumb fucking bullshit that you see on like the playground or <laughs> you know, like rec, any rec leaks. It's it's nonsensical, dumb stuff. Yeah. And it's just this psychological warfare that they play. And if they get that one little edge, because it's, it's annoying, right? Because they have no talent. They don't have the talent that Creighton's got. They don't have the talent that... It's funny because they're with. supposed to have talent. Like, they're supposed to be... They're supposed to be. I know, but like then you they're watch them play basketball, and it's like there's a there's a disconnect here somewhere. Right. Yeah. But it's DePaul, and it's Dave Lito. I'm honest to God. I don't know what he does, but it's so fucking weird. The way that <laughs> basketball is so unwatchable and so disrespectful to the entire game itself oh you're getting like super you're you're going into this aren't you dude think about it <laughs> all he wants to do is completely fuck up the game even though he has decent players i just think it's kind of funny i mean i think it's hilarious okay but like, so i wasn't sure if you were like angry or not <laughs> no <laughs> it's very funny yeah and i have to and you appreciate a team like that in conference right it's just a team that resides solely on we're going to make chaos happen, and that's about all we can do. Well, here's the and part, I, here's the part I struggle with. Like, terrible shots and hope they go in. The part I struggle with is, like, they they should be better. I remember, like, I remember growing up when DePaul was, like, good in, you know, in a pretty good league. Like, it's not like they're – like they leveled up in competition and it became too tough for them. They should be recruiting talented players and developing them, and they should be a tough out. I mean, they were a tough out tonight, but they weren't. They weren't a tough out for the reasons that we've already stated. Like they were not for good reasons, for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. 
So like, I don't know why they're invested in being this type of team. They're just so undisciplined. Um, there's no structure to what they do offensively. They just kind of like let dudes be dudes, which is fine if they're good at it, but they're not good at it. Like they're not, they're not fundamentally sound. They don't have great shooting. But if you just let them run around and do whatever they want, you're going to get a mess most of the time. And that's what you see. So it's like, why isn't there more structure? Why don't they try to control pace? Why don't they lean on their defense and make it like a 60? How many possessions was, I mean, I don't think they controlled pace very well tonight, right? That was just an up and down chaotic game. Wasn't it? I don't even know how many possessions there were. Let me see. Let me see what's on Ken Palm. But like, yeah. it's just nuts, dude. They, they play like maniacs. <laughs> and they it's get like, away with it. I Well, they don't get away with it. They lose every time. They lose constantly. But it's like, why are you playing that? Except way? for Marquette, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's the only team they have the edge on, right? <laughs> yeah, so I guess it was like a 67 possession game. So that's not bad. They kind of did. But... So, yeah, 67 possessions, that's kind of – I mean, that's still a little, like, toward Creighton territory a bit. Creighton probably wants it maybe, you know, five or six possessions more than that. So, But it's not like that was by design. That was probably more of, like, Creighton having to take its time on offense because DePaul was so good defensively. But it's not like DePaul – DePaul could have made that thing like a 50-50 to 50 type of game if they had just – if they had a plan on offense. But they didn't have a plan. Well, they never, they, have, a, they never have a plan on offense. That's the no, thing. it's it's always just chaos. It's yeah. chuck up shots and pray yeah. and cross your fingers. And then eventually something will go in. Right. Law of averages, right? Yeah. Exactly. Eventually, 40, you, eventually, I, eventually 40% of these things will find it the net, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have a guy like Ray Solnave just be in the right spot, right time, and just, I mean, have a day. Have a day. He did have a day, huh? Yeah, I don't know. No. They're just a weird basketball team. I think uh, – I mean, I thought I thought there was some good out of that from Creighton, though. Just uh, – first of all, the adjustment down the stretch to go offense-defense with Sharif and Mitch was – I mean, that takes I, – I, maybe I'm overstating it, but I feel like that's – that's something I'm going to remember from this game and this season if they end up doing something pretty special because – I don't know how many seniors and seniors that are three-year starters for sure and have four years of starting experience because Mitch started late in that first freshman season. I don't know how many uh, seniors with his type of experience would accept that in year four where they'd be like, yeah, you can go ahead and sub me offense for defense with a sophomore point guard essentially and right take me off the floor and – because essentially, what you're te- essentially what you're telling Mitch is our best chance to win is if we don't is if we have this guy on the floor for defense over you. Well, in, and I so mean, to embrace that as a player, I think it's really easy for a lot of guys to take that a certain way and let it become a negative. Sure. And that's why I think like that that moment is going to stick with me because I'm not sure how many players not named Mitch Ballack you could do that to. But, but and I mean, not have it be a bad thing. If if it wasn't Sharif, if it was if it was like Antoine or something, and they were swapping Antoine for Mitch in order to you know get defensive reps in, 
that would be one thing. But the fact that it was Sharif, where he's an extraordinarily talented defensive player. Yeah. And I think Mitch understands that. I know, but I, basketball players don't always think that way. I think I think if you're a senior, you would think that way, wouldn't you? No, I don't take that for granted. I think that's a moment to remember. Uh, I think that's one worth at least considering to remember. Because I, I just think you're underestimating the ego of an of an athlete at that level, especially when they're a four year starter. Just like go around the league. Um let you know, take a good defensive player. So all right, let's say let's, let's, look at, let's look at something from Providence, right? Let's let's take someone okay. from Providence. Let's say I don't even know who their good defenders are. Let's not take Providence. Um, let's take. I'm trying to think. <laughs> okay, let's take uh, like a Seton Hall. Remember Seton Hall's reaction to not having Bryce Aiken on the floor at the end of the game last yeah. against Creighton. Yep. Where they had Shavar Reynolds instead or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that type of reaction to me. Or Miles Kale. So Miles Kale or Shavar Reynolds instead of Bryce Aiken. Because Kale and Reynolds are better at getting stops than Aiken is. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the thought process, right? But the, there was like an utter meltdown around that game of like, why would Willard not have Aiken on the floor for these guys? So Bryce Aiken's in that kind of – I mean, today watching him against Villanova – I don't know how he feels about the game before when he was taken out for that stretch where they fell apart, but he was pretty hot headed today against like him and Mamu butted heads a couple times against Villanova today. So I don't know. It's obviously a 30,000 foot view on of it, but I don't know. I just don't know how many players would accept that the way Mitch did tonight. Cause it didn't even seem like he was blinking about it. He was like, he was always aware, you know, he was calling timeouts for Mac. He's like, all right, you know, get a stop here. Um, he sat, he didn't go, he didn't go sit at the end of the bench and like pout about it. He just said, we're going to switch offense for defense. Shreve's going to go in for you. If we get a stop, we'll put you back in that. And that's how we're going to finish this game. And he kind of just sat right next to Mac and like, let it happen. That's that to me is like, that's being an example for just forgetting, forgetting what matters to you and just be about winning this game right here. But I mean that that's a pretty common refrain that that Mitch has played. I mean that he's always been more about winning than he is about. I mean, and that that goes back to his entire narrative of like why he doesn't take shots all the time. Yeah, is because that he would he would rather win the game with a higher percentage shot with somebody else if For sure. it's available. I mean, he's. I just that. I just appreciate it because it's unique. I think. Yeah, I could. See, I I appreciate it as well, but it's at the same time. It's I know like, I'm getting a little wholesome for you, but I just like I appreciate the fact that he. It, he clearly was okay with that so far. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to tear the team apart going forward, but like, right. I mean, you were, you were at the press conference. So, I mean, you'd be able to tell if, if Mitch has killed anybody in the locker room after the game. Well, the, the presser was outside the locker room. So there might've been, there might've been people being killed inside of it. For well, you would, you would think that who, who was being interviewed would maybe have like blood splattered on them or maybe they have <laughs> hair on their face. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, that's kind of what I go back to is like, mm-hmm. um, I think people always see Mitch as a shooter. And I don't know if I'm going to, I'm not saying I won't remember, remember him as a shooter, but I think I'm going to remember that these other parts of the game. Like, yes, that, that just, I think it's a unique personality. It takes a unique personality to value winning that much over your own success, essentially. 
Like, cause a lot of guys will be like, if I get mine, winning will come with it. Cause I'm that good type of deal. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't, I've never thought that Mitch has thought like that. I think he's just like, let's do whatever we got to do to win. And whatever I end up with at the end of the day is what I end up with. And it doesn't even matter. Right. So I don't know. That's that when I saw that they were going offense for defense, because you, Mitch doesn't come out of the game. Like he just doesn't go. It's, it doesn't happen in his career. Like go back all the way to that freshman year against Villanova when they when Villanova was like a buzzsaw. Played forty something minutes that game as a freshman. Mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't come out. He doesn't. He and I remember and I haven't seen him practice this year at all because of the the pandemic. But um, he doesn't take practice reps off either. Like he. If he's off for like two possessions, you notice it because you're like, oh, what's wrong with him? He'll lay a stand on the side. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. He's seen every rep he's got pretty much. So when he's out of a game and in a late situation like that, I notice it. Christian deserves credit for it oh. too. Christian mm-hmm. too, because Kalkbenner was in late. And it's like those dudes just kind of be like, yeah, go win this ball game and whatever you need me for, you know, here we are. Like, but. In that moment, they went with other guys, and I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. And, and I think that Mitch can probably appreciate those moments for Sharif, where Sharif is getting picked off the bench mm. to go and close out a game. And I think that instills more confidence in Sharif as well. I mean, you can look at it from Mitch's perspective, but from Sharif's perspective and, and Ryan's perspective as well, it's like Coast, like McDermott trusts them enough to put them in those late-game scenarios even over his seniors and his veterans and still go out and win a game. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, when has Creighton kind of had that luxury where they could peg somebody off the bench, two guys off the bench like that. Yeah. I don't even know. Get a dub like that. Yeah. I mean, that's wild. And I mean, it it goes to show the job that McDermott's done this entire season. Mm -hmm. It's looked way different and I think there was a lot of expectation that it was going to look very similar to last season and that didn't quite bleed over because you're missing a Tyshawn Alexander and because the makeup of the team is so different yeah and to be able to trust those younger players in order to make stops in order to win ball games late with that sacrifice I mean that's that's big time and that's something that's that's going to show up you know, a month from now, a month and a half from now, where you're going to put them in those positions where maybe they'd be uncomfortable before, but they're comfortable now. I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, it just reminds me of one of those, like, that springboard moment last year when they came back from a game they probably were in position to lose against Providence, um, and then they went on the road and beat DePaul. Uh, they beat Xavier in the pinkout game at home. Um, then went on the road and beat Villanova and put themselves back in the title race, basically. Like, I just – I feel like this this week of basketball for them on the road, you know, coming back the way they did against Seton Hall and then kind of trudging through, like, <laughs> just an absolute, like you said, a, a weird nonsensical game. Like, <laughs> where it just – nothing – there was no rhyme or reason to why it was going the way it was going. Um and they won. And then I just, I'm just going to, I think I'll just take away the fact that they had enough resolve to not fold against Seton Hall when Seton Hall was putting it on them. Cause that could have been easy. Like 
Seton Hall was shooting the daylights out of the ball. It's pretty easy to be like, we're not going to catch up to that stuff. Like, there's not enough time left in this game. They're on fire. Um, it's going to take a lot. So for them to just flip the switch there and flip that whole game around, and then the same thing tonight in a different way, you know, with 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 uh, with the game, like it's just it's going the way it's going and you're trying to figure out a way to get control of it. And the decision you come up with is saying offense for defense. Cause we need to put two point guards on the floor. Cause they basically have none. And um, Sharif's going to get us stops. Mitchell come in and make some plays on offense. And if we can get it organized to the point where we can coordinate, you know, stop on defense, timeout, switch offense, execute. They did that perfectly. It was like a 10 to run basically that whole, Last three minutes and change, that last four minutes when they started doing it. 10-2 run. They totally changed the whole game. They took complete control of it for, like, the first time since that since the first half, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to remember that. I'm like, all right, look, that team didn't quit when they could have, and they also embraced a little bit of a curveball from a coaching adjustment standpoint. And all that mattered at the end of the week was not how they looked for 30-some minutes, not how close they were to losing – they got two road wins in the Big East, and they're nine and three now in the league. Like they're twelve games into this, they still haven't had a cancellation yet in league play. I mean, they've Dude. played twice as many games as Nova has, right? And they've got, and they're not, they're right there still. I mean, if they had lost tonight, Nova can go ahead and hang that banner. Basically, that's they're not catching up. <laughs> but as long as long as they're three back in the loss column with two still to go against Villanova, that's they're that's catchable. Mm-hmm. I know it's not their main goal because it's so much unpredictability this year, but they can catch that team. But I, you know, and this isn't this isn't the year where they're just going to go blow out people. I mean, that's, that's it's not going to happen where they blow out of the team. So playing grinders against DePaul, take it as long as you get the win at the end of the day. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like a win is just like who cares how it happens? <laughs> that's what. Yeah, right. You you can't. You it's this is the year where you just can't really complain about how it looks. It's just like it's a birthday cake, and if it tastes like a birthday cake, you gotta just appreciate the flavor, not the not the aesthetic appeal of it. You know what I mean? If right, it starts no. if it starts at the top of the box, you know, because the delivery guy t- fell and dropped it on the driveway, and you know, it's just it is what it is. You gotta make you gotta make lemonade out of lemons this year. Mm-hmm. So close game, whatnot. You just gotta just win, baby, just win, and they did. They keep winning. Um, I have nothing more to add from an analysis standpoint. Let's just go into questions, shall we? Because we got a, a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. um, let's see where do we start? Okay, looks like all of them are in our mentions, so that'll be easy. Um, go all the way back here. Sorry, start at the beginning. Oh wait, no, you have some in yours here. Um, I don't even know how to read that one, so let's see. That's the one from 402 Puck? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that one's oh, just well, – we're going to leave that. That one's too weird to read out loud. Yep. Mm, 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 mm. Thanks for the question, though, 402 Puck. <laughs> um, Bleeds Blue April wants to know, can we be mad about winning a game? A win is a win, and they made their free throws. Okay, but so can can Creighton fans be mad about winning the game? 
Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, do whatever the hell you want. I don't, I don't yeah, I mean, feel whatever emotion you want to feel. Yeah. I mean, to, to limit yourself for, from the full spectrum of feelings. Right. It's like cheating at life, so. Yeah, I don't want suppression of feelings. Just be true to yourself. So if you want to be mad about that, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Just don't tweet also, at players. Just don't tweet at players. I don't. Uh, that's where you cross the line. Just like keep it all to yourself. I just yeah. said don't tweet at players, Diego. Yeah, it was Frida. Uh, Frida, you too. He's a big fan of tweeted players. <laughs> She's like, I tweeted them all the time. Yeah, see, Diego tweets at recruits. Oh yeah, tweets at recruits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> April, go ahead and feel how you want to feel about that one. Um, yep. uh, Jayscreer fan O two. This dude, or whoever it is, has the strangest, like, username slash at. So it's jskerfan02 at handle me tweets. Handle me tweets? So we just got done telling everybody to be true to themselves, and this dude's got, like, two pseudonyms. Like, <laughs> he's got to figure, just, if you're a guy or a girl, embrace a name. Like, pick one. Pick something yeah, cool. I mean, your parents already gave you one so just use that because i gotta read this stuff out loud and i feel weird calling you like jsker fan o2 or handle me tweets that just sounds weird coming out of my mouth but thanks for the question though he wants to know if we can petition bruce rasmussen to never put the game on cbs sports again first of all it's a bit difficult because the whole ncaa tournament deal um one (laughs) i think you want a few more on cbs um yeah but cbs sports network the john rostein channel basically by the way how much of a shit show is that halftime you have john rostein and ryan hollins on remote (laughs) so ryan hollins who is not great at analysis is on a delay essentially so you're just watching him going like (laughs) looking dumbfounded as he processes the question and then he spits out his nonsensical answer and then they go to rostein who just is a walking gimmick essentially and has no analysis whatsoever. It's all, he basically scripts his responses before they hit the desk. And that's what he says. So it's all horrendous, but it's also it's, like one of those car wreck type of fields where you can't look away from it sometimes. See, and, and it's, and it's a necessity, right? Yeah. To have games on CBS Sportsnet. It's like something that's contractually obligated and I've noticed DePaul's on it a lot this season. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed have that DePaul to... and Georgetown are on that quite a bit this year? Right, because I actually have to work in order to watch CBS Sportsnet. So if yeah. I really want to watch somebody, and that hasn't happened yet, um, because DePaul plays on CBS Sportsnet a lot. That's That seems more intentional than we should admit, but like, I'm just telling you, they don't put like – they don't put like St. John's and Villanova home games on CBS Sports Network. Right. Okay. You're not gonna see, just, you're just, see, just telling you. Just see, saying it out loud. Like you're not gonna see the 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 people who have the following in terms of like the fan base. You're not gonna be telling those people to go find CBS Sports Network to watch the games. Yep. So you know what they like, st- they stick UConn on there, but only because UConn has its like own channel. Like <laughs> Right. Like UConn is like the Texas Longhorns of the Big East. They have their own network. So you can stick UConn on whatever channel you want because they have their own one that they go to anyway. But it's CBS Sportsnet. I mean, to play on CBS proper would be yeah. fantastic. I would, that's, I would that's, welcome that. That's a different Every, audience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great to play in front of a national audience like Providence and Georgetown did uh, earlier today. 
Were they on CBS, CBS today? Yes, they were. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> who, yeah, thought that was, who thought that was a good idea? Uh, someone with a very small brain. <laughs> so they were on, like, basic cable CBS. Like, the... Wow. Okay. What other game was on that channel today? No idea. I quit watching after that. <laughs> yeah, or as you should. You're like, you know what? I'm, I've had enough of this because why? <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't like CBS Sports Network either. Uh, someone actually texted me. Someone actually texted me like late in the second half, like when the last two minutes. And they're like, hey, what's the what's the, what what app is the Creighton DePaul game on real quick? So I sent them the app or whatever. They're like, this shit doesn't work. And I was like, Okay, well, I mean, there's two minutes left. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> but to answer Jay Scarrow 2's question, um, no, we can't petition Bruce Rasmussen for that because there's con- contractual obligations that we can't. Well, I mean, he has an at, so you can te- you can tweet him and tell him if you want to. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead, work. Jay Scarrow 2. I don't know if it'll work. Um, Blue Jay Buff wants to – oh, he has a couple questions. Let's see. Um, are nachos an appetizer or entree? Uh, appetizer. Okay. Uh, at La Mesa, they're an entree because I used to go there and get like the, the beef nachos, and that was like, that was. I mean, they're they're big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So entree, I, I like. I won't. I don't know if I like eat nachos, but not an entree because it's just chips and dip, whatever. Right. Yeah, I always saw nachos as a, a shareable thing. And that's why I always see them as an appetizer. Oh, that makes sense. You can share nachos. I, yeah. mean, I mean, good before pandemic started, but. I mean, right. Oh, so I guess post pandemic, are they entrees or appetizers now? Um, I guess they're entrees now. I think. Right. They, yeah. They jumped right into that. Look at that. I was ahead of my time. I was ahead of my time there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You they're just there. so, I mean, yeah, like uh, they're just like, I think they serve them as entrees at La Mesa. I don't think they're appetizers. I mean, you can get like super nachos or yeah. it is like an entree, but at the same time, still shareable. Right. So, so pre-pandemic appetizer during pandemic entree. Right. Yeah. Um, have you seen Lord of the Rings? Because this next question applies to that. Yes, I have. Okay. Uh, what if Saruman hadn't blown his lead at Helm's Deep? So what if he hadn't? So, shit. Um, so we have to map out the rest of the rest of the events, essentially. I just don't see how he can. How he cannot? How he cannot blow his lead? <laughs> yeah, they kind of like went for broke there and like hemmed themselves in, didn't they? So well, like, he he got his ass kicked by the ants. Am I thinking of the right? Helm's Deep was no. Helm's Deep was the where uh, Gandalf came back, right? Right, but I mean that's where they took down Saruman. Yeah, yeah. But that was like the whole. That was where they used. Uh, what's that? What's the place called? Where he like helped? Where he saved that king from the curse or whatever? What's that? What's that called? No, 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 no. This is this is where the Ents uh, came into play because then the orcs ran back into the forest and they got fucking obliterated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I don't see how Saruman. What was the what was the other what was the other place called? We need Kevin Jewell on right now. He's gonna be so disappointed. 
was Wait, the, the big Lord of the Rings guy? Place, what was the other place called where they came where or Gandalf came back as the White Wizard, and like they ran down the hill? What was that place called? Oh shit, I don't know. That wasn't Helm's Deep. No. Are you sure? Yes. What the hell else would you call that place? Um, all I know is that Helm's Deep has never been taken over or conquered. Oh, okay. So you're using some knowledge on me now. Well, I mean, I just watched all three movies like over Christmas break. So. Oh, you did. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a few years for me. Let me see. Well, what? Let's let's look this up. Yeah, we have to. I'm pretty sure Helm's Deep is where the the ends came into play, and they just wiped out the rest of the orcs. <laughs> okay, let's see. Good podcasting. I know, but at least we're trying to be accurate here. Uh, yeah, I think you're wrong, bro. Think so? Maybe. Because mm-hmm. I just have the I have the Helm's Deep opening right here. I'm pulling it up. And like Aragon and what's it? Yeah, Helm's, yeah, I am thinking of the right thing. In your face, bro. Helm's Deep is that like battle at the castle. Oh, the final battle battle in Return no, of the No, no. No, in two towers. It's like that little, like, it's like in that little, like, you know, it looks like it's in a valley or whatever. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what if he hadn't blown his lead? I mean, considering all the main heroes were there except for Frodo and Sam. Yep. I mean, if they that's basically all the heroes. So if they hadn't blown the lead, they kill all the heroes, right? Well, I, I still think that the ring gets destroyed. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, yeah. So the main, like the MVP of the show is like Frodo or Sam, right? Is that what we're saying? Because that's the well, one they yeah, had. To... Think, with the destruction of the ring, like because the I, I, I the Eye of Sauron, I mean, that doesn't exist anymore after that right yeah anymore? but didn't it didn't it get distracted by uh the fight outside the wall true so wasn't that a big part of why frodo and them didn't get basically worked as soon as they got to the mountain <laughs> i think that played a part in it <laughs> yeah so i'm pretty sure that whole mission to throw the ring in the lava didn't doesn't go down if the if helm's deep is a wipeout so that's my answer. If Saruman doesn't blow his lead at Helm's Deep, if I'm remembering all this correctly, if he doesn't blow his lead at Helm's Deep, Frodo and Sam get the get the business at the when they get to whatever it was, Mount Doom. Mount Doom, yeah. <laughs> they get the, they get it bad. They get it, they get it real bad if there isn't like a whole army of good people to distract the stupid eye at the top of the tower. Right. Like, oh shit! What's going on over there? He's just like all oh, like, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden, the ring hits the lava, and he's like, oh god, no! I love watching the eye freak out with that because I'm just imagining a whole being going, no shit! I took my eye off the ball there. Damn it! I just like try to go sports analogy, like oh shit! I wasn't paying attention to what I need to pay attention to. Hey, dude, talk about taking your eyes off the prize. Seriously, the one thing that dude needs to exist is that stupid ring, and he just let it walk right by his ass. Like okay, you're not. You're not all that. You're not all that bright, there, bud. You got distracted by a little scuffle out in the street, and someone robbed your apartment, like while you were watching. It's like, 
can so, you focus? So to give finality to Jimmy's answer for me, or to Jimmy's question, my answer is um, ring still probably gets destroyed. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Know. I'm gonna go. Ring doesn't get destroyed because uh, Sauron doesn't get distracted, mm. and he can basically just, like I said, give him give him the work. That's good. Yeah. So in in hindsight, I guess pretty vital battle to the whole conclusion. Yeah. Um, yeah. His third question is why don't people tweet Sharif fence more often? I don't know. That's up to them. I don't know. I just never really fully embraced it because the Kyrie fence thing was so unique to me. So I was just like, I don't, I feel like I'm getting into like a Rothstein gimmick territory. If I hand that off to everybody, you know what I'm saying? I I think you're right. I I think Kyrie fence just kind of ran its course because it was like the first time in a long time. There was also won two defensive player of the year awards in the league. Like that wasn't just something. He was legitimately the best defender in the league, so it worked. So you, you don't want to like dilute, yeah, like our memories of Kyrie fence with another Kyrie right. fence, right? Like and I mean, highlight like, reels. There were highlight reels and T-shirts. Yeah. I didn't even make the T-shirts. Some I think his mom made the T-shirts, mm-hmm. but like that thing took that thing like picked up steam. It was like McBuckets. Like it took it just took off. So I was like, I didn't really want to like attach it to anyone i know the sharif thing it rhymes pretty well and there's also the whole sharif fence versus refence thing like which one is preferable mm-hmm. um i don't know if everybody just start doing it and see what i mean that's the whole beauty about throwing nicknames at the wall is like when they when they you just start it and if it picks up you got one you know yeah i don't know but you, you can't you can't really force it so i haven't tried to force it Maybe yeah, it, maybe maybe if he's like a starter and it's like junior senior year, maybe then it'll pick up a little bit. Right. You know, there's still time. Um, last question. Uh, what are your thoughts on Denzel's flagrant? Did he go too hard? Is that a play that any smaller player would have gotten away with? Um, no. Yeah, that wasn't a flagrant <laughs> foul for God's sake. Like that was <laughs> stupid. Like I said, Marcus Foster must have been watching that game going, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you told me I couldn't go to the free throw line my whole career because I'm too strong. And then you're just out here tossing flagrants around like they're common fouls, like because Denzel is really strong. Doesn't yeah, work, doesn't I mean, work that way. I think I, I tweeted this, but I was like, I get what, where Marquette fans are coming from when they're like, oh, there's another foul on Theo John just for being big. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what Denzel did because all he was doing was keeping pace with the ball handler who yeah. was driving to the basket and the ball handler just decided to go limp and then into Denzel. Well, they met at a, they met, him. they were racing to a point and they met at yeah. that point and like, it's the immovable object deal. Right. Right. Exactly. Denzel is just bigger and stronger and the dude fell on his ass. Like, yeah, that's, that's it made no sense. It was ridiculous. It wasn't like a malicious act on Denzel's part. It was just him being a big person. Because here's the other part of it. If that's a flagrant foul, why aren't more offensive fouls flagrant fouls? Because right. dudes, dudes barrel into people all the damn time and try to, like, you know, get calls that way. So it's like, Dude, the, why why aren't those flagrants then? That's the basically all Denzel a, did. The officiating as a whole, not particularly sharp tonight. Uh, 
all season, all season, all season. But but tonight again, it was questionable. <laughs> yeah, the tech on on DJ was something else, <laughs> dude. That whole sequence of like no talking, like wh- that was what is going on. It was like it was like a teacher, like when you're whispering during a test or something. It's like shh. Like what, what the hell was that whole sequence? No one's allowed to talk shit. That's what we're saying. No talking Dude, it, trash. It, it honestly seemed like it like it got it got to DJ. Yeah. His body language yeah, and his like facial emotions after that were not the same. Mm-hmm. Because he just punked that guy. I mean, straight up. <laughs> it just got yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He let him know about it. So and that's what? supposed to be like DePaul's best player and stuff too. Like their most talented player or whatever. So yeah, you felt all he can't? No, it was Romeo Weems. Oh, okay. Um, Birds by Design wants to know, and I can't believe they're asking this because I feel like my opinion's been known. Uh, deep dish pizza or New York style? New York style. Yeah, right? Like, 100%. Deep dish is not pizza. We've been, I've, I feel like I've been over this a lot. <laughs> It's like it's like tomato bread, basically. It's like a whole lot of it's like eighty percent dough, fifteen percent tomato sauce, five percent toppings. Pretty much. That's well, not that's not an enjoyable pizza experience for me. I mean, didn't you call it like pizza casserole? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. You cook it in a little skillet, for God's sake, for one. Mm-hmm. It looks like lasagna in its thickness and its sauce and its sauce ratio to meat, right? Like so I just don't think it obeys the common principles of what pizza looks like, feels like, tastes like. So Brooklyn style, New York style all the way. I mean the, I mean Brooklyn style is just pizza. It's Yes, just- it's, just, it's just pizza. That's what I mean. You don't even call it that. It's just pizza. <laughs> It's, like it's you go dope. to if you go to New York, the only reason you call it New York style pizza is because that's where like pizza it looks like pizza there. So that's why it's like it looks like New But if you order pizza from Domino's, you don't say like or Pizza Hut or whatever or Godfather's, you don't say New York style pizza, do you? You just order pizza. And it doesn't look like it doesn't look like deep dish when you get it. No, it does not. Right? So <laughs> there's only one designation. It's either whatever the hell deep dish thinks it is. And then everything else. So New York style is pizza to me. Always prefer that. Plus, when you go to New York and you order a slice, you want to fold that thing up and like go about your business. You don't want to like stay there and grab a knife and fork and crap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's a sit down affair for Chicago style pizza. Yes. Yeah, that's it's a knife and fork affair. Like that's you can't like you pick that thing up. You have like arthritis by the time you're done eating. I mean, but it makes sense for like the people who live in Chicago. I think these they're a little bit more sedentary than people who live in New York. Mm. And so it's like it's like the difference. It's like this is at home pizza and yeah. this is on the pizza. Okay. This New York style pizza is far and away more superior because you can eat it wherever the fuck you want to eat it. Wherever you want, you can do it on the run, on the walk, sitting down, wherever. Yep. What's the yeah, what's the what's the John Stewart bit? If you're drunk and you don't fall, if you fall fall you face plant in your pizza, you're not going to drown. Is that the, <laughs> is that the bit right? That so. yeah. With deep dish, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. It's stupid. 
the whole concept is like, why? So yeah, New York style over deep dish all day, every day for the rest of my life. Agreed. Um, Josh Peterson wants to know if you're wanting to get absolutely ripped drunk, what's your poison? I don't have a good answer to this. I have a simple answer to this. You want me to go first? Um, probably whiskey, I would say. Really? Or, or gin. I, I've gotten into gin lately, mainly because Carly drinks gin, so then there's gin available, so then I'll drink gin. I get really chatty when I drink gin, so I mean, there's that. But whiskey's, I think, pretty much my typical choice. Yeah. Uh, mine's always vodka and OJ. That's just that's what I'll mix up together when I'm just yeah screwdriver yeah that's like what I started when I was we won't say when but that's what I started when I was trying when I was getting drunk for like the first time in life you know it's like hey what's what's this taste like with OJ and then it's like that's what I've stayed with I stayed loyal I actually still have the bottle from election night no one's gonna see that but see where the I voted sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. By the way, Nebraska actually had like a badass we voted sticker this year. Like I yeah, feel like kind of I, I think Nebraska had like the best sticker of like anybody in the country. Their I vote the I voted today sticker. See, and I got the I got the classic. Yeah. What'd you how would you get what? Where'd you get that one? Well, no, because I went and early voted. So did I. At the election commission office. Yeah, I voted early too, and they gave me this. No, no, like I stood in fucking line. Oh, I just got it by mail. Yeah, so you did the smart thing. I did, because of the mm-hmm. pandemic and stuff. Yep. Because of the virus. I waited in line for six and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, you're a hero to your nation, but... Surprisingly. Well, I guess, that only, I guess that only depends on how you voted. Did you vote for Jurgensen, Kanye, Trump, or Biden? Uh, all of them. All of the above? <laughs> yeah, your, your ballot yeah. probably got thrown out, dude. Holy shit. Wait, wait, how are you supposed to fill out a ballot? You just pick one person, one like one bubble per line. Oh, per yeah. line item. I thought you filled in the bubbles of the people you don't want. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there is write-in, so I guess you could do that way. Yeah. Well, why did they give you multiple you, options? That that joke wasn't foolproof either. So nope. <laughs> Because technically you could have wrote it for whoever you wanted to. Um, yeah, this was so yeah, like this is my bottle of I, I went with Smirnoff vodka this time because they didn't have McCormick's. Usually I go with McCormick's. Um I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you haven't you haven't upgraded to Tito's yet? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that is. McCormick's has always been the go-to. Yeah, Tito's is the good vodka. Is it that's really? all I know about? It. Yeah, uh, I don't drink vodka, so I I just know that Tito's is the good vodka. Oh, yeah, that was my goodbye Trump drink was the vodka. Also, because I could pivot real quickly to if he got reelected, the same feeling essentially. Right. Real Except quick. It took like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took a few. Yeah, it took two weeks and then an insurrection. Um, yeah. So mine's <laughs> vodka. Mine's vodka. Alex's whiskey. What kind of whiskey? You have a. Is there a brand? Are you a brand? Uh, Are you loyal? I mean, if, if I'm getting like really shitty, it's Jameson. If I'm just like sitting down enjoying whiskey, I like Bullet. Okay. Bullet's pretty good. So, 
Yeah. So vodka for me, McCormick or Smirnoff will work, and then some OJ. Yep. Um, Jacob Badilla wants to know. Hi. Yes, uh, I missed the game. So can you just recap the whole thing in extreme detail from start to finish for me? Thanks. Um, did we do that already, or do we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we basically did already. Okay. Yep. And if, if anything, we can just send him screenshots of stat broadcast play by play. Oh yeah, we couldn't. And he can make it up in his head. Right. Um, yes, we already did that part. Um, Anonymous Eagle wants to know why is DePaul? I don't know, bro. You're the one who keeps losing to him. You tell me. That's a good point. Fucking seriously. What did I say? What was I telling you and Sam? Uh, Lado has the same record against Wojo as Mac that Mac has against Jay Wright. Correct. That's not a good sign for Wojo. <laughs> it shouldn't be as easy to, for DePaul to beat Marquette as it is for Creighton to beat Villanova. I got to be honest with you, though. It seems like DePaul only gets up for Marquette. Oh, they do because that's that whole like Chicago Milwaukee rivalry thing. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But it's so weird to watch DePaul play Marquette. It's weird that Marquette. It's weird that Marquette doesn't care enough about it. Well, I think Marquette does, but it's. I think it's like the only thing that Lado scouts for for the entire year. So you're saying he's capable of being a competent, winning basketball coach on a regular basis, but only chooses to do so against Marquette. As long as they're playing Marquette, if they played Marquette 28 times, they'd probably go a little over 500. Interesting. That's just my theory. Super I think Lado gets weird. up for that game. Okay. I mean, and then, I mean, they probably do recruit similar players. It's probably a recruiting battle kind of thing there. I mean, yeah, similar. I don't know. They do play a little bit alike, don't they? When you watch Marquette look yeah. listless and then DePaul, same thing. Yeah. Good point. Exactly. Yeah, I can see the um, all uniform. So this guy's name is not Matt. I don't. So it's Matt. Right. So it's Matt. Is that what that means? Not Matt means it's Matt. Sure. Um. Okay. He wants to know. <laughs> at what point did you know Creighton was going to win? Tip off. What about you? Um, probably about three minutes left in the second half. <laughs> I got <laughs> really that earlier. <laughs> we did. We referred to that at that point. I mean, tip off. It's Creighton versus DePaul. Creighton beats DePaul like it's their job. I think Mac is like sixteen and one against him now. Yeah, but I just needed that moment. I just needed that moment where it was like, dude, the fourteen fifteen squad beat DePaul in the Big East tournament. Like they made it. The the 14-15 squad went further than the 15-16 squad did in the Big East tournament because of that. Well, not further, but they won a game because they played DePaul. Yeah. I know, but at the same time, it's a weird year. You don't know what's going to fucking happen. No, DePaul I... was playing pretty good basketball, but those last two possessions... What? 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 I guess they were who? playing pretty... Okay, score-wise. Not, I mean... Obviously not schematically. We've already established that that was a bad basketball game, so the score is not indicative of the quality. They were playing good enough basketball where 
No. I was having heart palpitations. Wrong direction. Wrong direction. Wrong direction. (laughs) Okay, they're bringing Creighton so far fucking down to their level. Yes, there you go. I was having heart palpitations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Now you corrected it. They were bringing Creighton so far down to the gutter that it was a close competitive. That's what I mean. Some people get like confused or they get too Mm -hmm. emotionally invested in the result and they're like, Oh my God, this game's amazing. And it's like, no, it's kind of been garbage, but it's just close. So there's a distinction there. <laughs> uh, but the last two possessions that DePaul had, it, it was like a warm blanket right on top of me. It felt so good because they just jacked up haphazard threes and oh, just yeah. brick. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's, that's what I like. That's, that's what I that's, expect. That's who they are. Yeah. Um, also, how is it still not Matt? Not Matt wants to know, um, how do you think we can maximize each of our bench guys? It'd be great to have consistent output from each of them. I don't know, man. I, this question has been asked in a different way a few times, and I don't really know quite how to pin it down properly because I think with guys who are in bench roles and like those roles that aren't – super consistent from game to game. Although you could argue Ryan Kalkbrenner and Sharif Mitchell are in pretty consistent roles as the sixth and seventh man now, depending. Um, When you're in that type of role, it's hard to get a rhythm for what you're supposed to do night in, night out. Um, So it just, it basically, you just go with the flow, honestly, and you try to make plays that are there for you to make and you try not to, you know, play too far outside of what you're trying to do from a schematic standpoint or a strategy standpoint where you end up screwing things up too much. So it's tough. That's why you've seen different guys. I mean, Alex O'Connell went off against St. John's. Um, Antoine went off against Xavier. You've seen Kalkbrenner have quite a few good games here. Sharif have quite a few good games here. It's just, it just depends. It's like, it's hard to, once you get below that seventh spot off the bench, it's hard to really be consistent because you're not you're not getting consistent run. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's tough. I don't know how to answer that. It's just gonna be different guys sometimes. And honestly, I think that they're being utilized as best as they can. I can't yeah. imagine greater roles for any of the bench guys that would positively affect the team more than they are right now. Right. That's what, that's the other part of it too. Like yeah. what, what would you change? Yeah. I mean, if you're, yeah, if I, you're changing something, I mean, if you're changing be... something, you're taking the starters, you're giving the starters less minutes. So that's what you have to do. So who do you not want on the floor as much? Right. In, in, in again, I don't know how putting AOC in for any, I mean, for Denzel or for Damien, for Mitch, it's like I don't think that positively impacts the team. I, th- I think the way that you can get, I think you can maximize them, is by giving them run um, when a guy's in foul trouble or just you know for breathers. But I mean that's about it. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think Matt, we touched on this earlier in the podcast, but um, I mean just being able to to put Sharif in a position where he was the defensive stopper uh, replacing Mitch in the lineup. I mean, that's one good way that you can utilize the bench. Um, I mean, especially the way that, that Ryan played, Kalkberger played in the second half uh, with his rim runs. 
I mean, you you just kind of have to. It's it's kind of a fly by night kind of thing, right? I mean, you just kind of figure it out as the game goes on how to utilize the bench properly, and if you can plug in a guy that'll positively impact the game. It's just kind of a a game by game, moment by moment basis at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's keep trucking through these. Cause I'm getting tired. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just like three yawns in a row, and I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Um, Rich P wants to know, should DePaul be relegated to a crappy mid-major conference like the Ivy League? First of all, on behalf of the Ivy League, how dare you? Um, right. I also don't think I used this wrong too earlier. Relegated actually means you move up, right? Or like, is that moved down? Am I using that no, correctly? Delegation is you get moved up. Relegation is you get moved down. Gotcha. Cool. So yeah, relegated is being used correctly here. Yes. Cool. Um, you know what? No, because they're the get right team in the league. Like you got to have, and if you want a lot of teams in this way tournament, you got to have a get right team that they can come off like a two or three game skid, whip to Paul's ass, and then like still be a bubble team at the end of the day. So, DePaul has a use in this conference. They don't. It's not what they want to be, but sometimes you don't get to choose when you're the get right game. You just are the get right game. It's just okay, way. so it's nature choosing for you. So it, it's it's an interesting question though, because which conference would you choose in order to have that relegation delegation? So yeah. where you can relegate uh, DePaul down and then bring a team up and have that same that relationship with a conference. I mean, who would you pick? Would it be the Horizon? Would it be the Summit? Would it be the NEC? Would it be the Patriot League? I mean, who would you – Big East is so kind of spread out Midwest to East, it's kind of tough to yeah. pick one. I would I would probably look at, like, an A-10 team and yeah. swap out of that. Like, mm-hmm. maybe – I think it would be cool if, like, Temple – is Temple still in the – no, they're in the AAC now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it'd be cool. I, I liked, I rooted for Temple growing up. I thought they were, I thought they were fun to watch. So mm-hmm. I would choose Temple. See, and I think it'd be great if they partnered up with the AAC because I mean, we basically just got, I mean, the Big East got UConn from. The oh, AAC. you're saying like for the delegation relegation roles? Right. <laughs> <laughs> The only problem with that would be is I don't want Wichita having like a glimmer of hope. Good but they're point. like, if we put together like a 25 win team two or three years in a row that we get to move. I don't want, I don't want that door being open to them having that opportunity. But I so do if, we could, if we could work it out where Wichita is the only team that doesn't get to be a part of that contract, <laughs> that would be hilarious. And I would be all for that. But, but I do think it'd be very funny if UConn got sent back down to the AAC. <laughs> yeah. They have like a clunker of a year, so they get sent back to it. Yes. Right. After all be, that, just, just to see the fan reaction, because their fans are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, eight or AAC. That'd yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren Boudreau wants to know, hey, you started using his real name. How about that? I don't wow. know. I don't know if I remember him starting you. I thought he was always still Patrick. Okay, cool. Good for you, Darren. Wait, wait, just be out there. 
Um, wait, wait, wait to come out, buddy. Wait to come out, buddy. Uh, still married with kids. Happily, <laughs> we didn't we didn't break any news there, Mrs. Boudreau. Um, with Sharif and Kalkbrenner getting the crunch time minutes they did, I'm guessing Coach has some great trust in them. Um, when the game was in balance, got to build the future too. If everyone leaves into the season. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a good way to look at it. Uh, I just think I thought Sharif and Ryan were also playing pretty well tonight, and I think I know for sure because I was texting Darren was texting during the game, so like I know he felt like Ryan was having an impact in the first half too, and certainly in the second half when Creighton was kind of trying to play catch up, thought Ryan was the best player on the floor for one stretch, so. Yeah, there's some uh, maybe there's something to possibly seeing what those guys are made of for for you know down the road, but you know I don't know if they would have if 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 they weren't playing well, if they would have given been given rope to work through it because at the end of the day you're trying to win now, so um, it's easier yeah. to put a mistake on film and correct it in practice and film than it is to learn from it on the court and learn how it feels. So I thought that, yeah, it's a combination of things, but I don't, yeah, I didn't, I guess I hadn't considered the big picture with those guys, but yeah, I'm sure it's definitely going to help them because they'll be able to lead on the experience of playing down the stretch in a tight game and winning it. Yeah. And I, I think it's easy to see the importance that, that Ryan will play in future games, not just this team, but in the future um, so any run that you can get him in crunch time situations, especially against a team like DePaul, which maybe isn't as fundamentally sound as other teams. So it's kind of easier to get away with that. It's kind of a cheapo experience that you can kind of toss them into, um, you know, where it's a little bit lower stakes where you know that, you know, Zeggy could hit a three or Mitch could hit a three or, you know, um, you can still kind of pull that one out. So to give them crunch times in a, a meaningful game, um, I mean, that's that's important. It's always important. Yep. Um, Hilltop alum wants to know, any concern of fatigue mentally or physically? I mean, for us, yeah, I'm pretty tired. Yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely fatigued <laughs> mentally. I don't – I feel fine physically. I'm just – I can tell I'm tired. Just like yep. fading um, I mean, every team in college basketball is going through the same shit. So it's hard for me to be like, yeah, it's a concern, but it's a concern for every team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I never liked that question. Um, I don't know if tonight was a like a cause and effect tonight. I just think it, they've been on the road a lot. And usually those long road trips where they stay out on the road for the two-gamer um, – doesn't end well in the second part of it <laughs> historically. Right. So I can't, you know, to expect them to come out sharp tonight was probably short-sighted and not seeing the historical picture. Um, so maybe tonight they were a little bit tired. They definitely weren't tired the other night because that a fatigued and tired team doesn't do what they do to come back in that game. So right. um, yeah, tonight maybe a little bit. I also still think DePaul just having an ability to control the game without an erratic point guard played into their ability to 
locked the game up a little bit than Creighton would have liked. Whereas if Charlie Moore's in the game kicking the ball around, Creighton has more transition opportunities to open that thing up. So, again, I know he's a preseason all-league team player or whatever, but he just – he I think he hurts them a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, Drew wants to know – I realize this has nothing to do with Creighton DePaul and that I'm engaging with wild hypotheticals, but – if Creighton wins out, including a sweep of Nova, does a 17 and three Creighton fall to second place behind a 14 and two Nova team? Uh, this is actually kind of easy to answer because winning percentage gives Nova the edge. So yeah, still right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've had Nova would have, Nova would have a 875 winning percentage. Creighton would have 850. So yep. still, still edge Nova. Yeah. Mm-hmm which is basically how it happened in 2014 because Creighton swept them and still lost the title, even though, because they hit, you know, winning percentage. Correct. Yeah. I would think so. I would be surprised if it, I don't know. I don't know the explanation for if it wouldn't. So that wouldn't make sense. I think the only explanation would be that Creighton would have played more games. Oh, you know, it would be like the baseball explanation, wouldn't it? Would you get blocked by Villanova too? Would you do that? Would you, would you be, would you be on the war path? Because that would fall, that would fall along the same lines. Because you're looking at Nova. If you see like a losable game for them on the schedule or something, would you be like, "Hey, cowards, play it," like you yes. did, like you did with Georgetown baseball? Hundred percent. Okay, yeah, I'd get back on my wagon. Now, oh, I'm yeah. re- now I'm really looking forward to it, this scenario <laughs> playing out. Please let it happen. Um, JB Davis uh, is Creighton's ceiling this season lower than we thought it would be. Or do you think they still have another gear they can hit? Let's see. Oh, God. The bench is better because it's deeper. Although, maybe... I don't know, though. If you put, like, just tell you what you're getting from Sharif and Kalkbrenner versus, like, what you got from Denzel and, like, Kelvin... Yeah. I don't know, man. That's tough. Yeah, I think their ceiling maybe listen, how about this? Their ceiling in terms of their ability to whip someone's ass is lower. Okay. Yes. Last year's team had an uncanny ability to turn a game into an absolute party because they could have stretches <laughs> they could have stretches where it was just like, oh boy. Um, so I don't think we've seen that this year except for the Seton Hall St. John's weekend at week at home essentially those two games were those two games felt 2019-20 like I don't know if we've seen that since like maybe the Nebraska game was one where it got absolutely out of control for a five minute stretch and it was it basically ended the game so there's only been three instances of it however I think what everybody at the end of the day when they're trying to ask the ceiling question is talking about is like, they're like, okay, how far can Creighton go in the NCAA tournament? Now that's unfair to compare it to last year's team. Cause last year's team didn't get the opportunity to do that. Plus if the, had they got the opportunity, they would have been doing it without Marcus Zagorowski. So that's going to be a really tough comp- comparison to make between last year and this year in terms of the ceiling. But I'll also look at like, they're nine and three. 
they're kind of in the same spot for now um, through 12 games or whatever as they were last year. So it's hard to – I don't know. distinct difference. What's your your difference? The distinct difference is that this year's team has not gotten blown out yet. True. They've only lost close games. That's also a factor, yeah. Yeah. I mean – Four points. One, one point Kansas, five points Marquette, four points Butler, four points Port Providence. Yep, that's that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. They've not. Whereas last year's team got its doors blown off by SCSU, Providence on the road, St. John's on the road, Butler too, right? Uh, nah, that one was it. That was like close with like four minutes left. Yeah, but yeah. So they got their doors blown off three different times last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just – I don't know if the ceiling's lower or higher. I think it's just they're just doing it in a different way because they're just a, they're just built differently a little bit. Um, I do think they have another gear to hit, though. So that the second part of the question, yes. Like, yeah. I think there's still. I think there's an element of them still searching for that like complete game where they kind of like where you feel like they're in complete control of it from start to finish, even if it's not a blowout. I don't know if I've. I don't know if I feel like they've played a game yet where there hasn't been some ebb and flow to who's in control of it. Um, other than the Seton Hall game at home and the St. John's game at home, those are the only two. Those are the only two where they've basically been in control from the jump, and. Uh, maybe UNO is another one, I guess. Maybe. Yep. But, yeah. Oh, how many more of these do we have? Let's see. <laughs> What's this a disturbing trend? What's that? Oh. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to ask questions, uh, probably unlock your account. Because I, <laughs> I can't see it if I don't follow you. So, sorry about that, whoever that was. Um. Are we at are we at Neatala's question already? Is that where we're at? Yeah, I think we yeah. are. I got we made it to the end. Okay. Uh Johnny Atala wants to know what should Matt's punishment be for this tweet? Exclamation point question mark. Exclamation point question mark. Where where I in it oh hold on a minute though. This is this predates John's time on the beat though. So he doesn't know. John, you gotta like check out the hashtag Blue Jay Cafe tweets. And honestly, I don't even know if that helps because there's so much out of context there that clicking on that will only add to confusion. But it goes back to December 3rd of the 2013-2014 season, so the first year in the Big East. Creighton was coming off of a loss to George Washington in the Wooden Legacy, I think is what it was called, that tournament. They were coming off a loss to George George Washington in that game where, like, Doug – I don't know if he had the flu, but he didn't play well. Um, they only scored 53 points. Then they played like Long Beach State while they were out there in a non-con game. And I don't remember why it wasn't televised or streamed. What happened to – I don't remember what happened, why it wasn't streamed. But it turned into this thing where no one could really know what was happening. Uh, so we all just – like the whole – all Creighton Twitter just basically hijacked itself and created Blue Jay Cafe tweets, which is a we're, we're like kind of making fun of Matt Peralt um, for splitting the message board up and like going to create a pay board, um, 
where his takes were just horrendous and they had to pay for people had to pay for him and things like that. So it turned into like a, basically a cold take session with hashtag blue Jay cafe tweets. And it was all of like his greatest hits with little twists and turns on them. Um, and it was all because we couldn't watch the game for some, I forgot why, why we couldn't get the stream working, but it was like, nobody could see it. So we were all kind of like, just basically hijacked Creighton Twitter for that. There was no context to anything. Like if you read any of those tweets, you have no idea what happened in that game at all. So when I saw BYU and Pacific like coming down the stretch of the CBS Sports Network game, I'm just like, oh my God, it's going to happen tonight. Like Creighton DePaul is going to be that obscure game that everybody just comes together and like tweets out random out of context nonsense to get themselves through a DePaul game against Creighton. Um, but yeah, so where he basically cursed us all like the press box jerk who angers the baseball gods by commenting on the speed of play in the third inning, all but guaranteeing that the game will go into extras. So what should my punishment be for trying to will uh, Blue Jay Cafe tweets round two into existence? Which, honestly, they went two overtime, so I was only, what did I say? I said seven, so I was a little, I was two, I was five off on my overtimes. I, th- I think your punishment should be you can't tweet for the entirety of the next DePaul game. <laughs> that sounds like a win in my opinion um you have to if you do feel inclined to tweet you have to do it from a burner account oh i don't have one of those well you gotta make one what should it be what should my theme of the burner account be Um, mr guy who has like seven burner accounts well, I don't. I, I forgot all the passwords to them. <laughs> I know. I think I follow them all still. I think. I follow- <laughs> oh God! I mean, you could do like runs of fans six nine four two zero. Oh God! That was one of the punishments Rachel or April suggested. She's like, he should eat a runzer or two. Like, come oh. on! That it was gonna be a fun night. Blue Jay Cafe t- tweets was a fun night. I was trying to create some fun. You tell yeah. let's let's use the benefit of hindsight here, people. Would you rather watch that DePaul game that we just watched, or would you rather have Blue Jay Cafe tweets round two? Go ahead, answer honestly. Yeah, and answer online using hashtag Blue Jay Cafe tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I only got one off before the DePaul game came back. I only got one off. I was like, what did I say? Oh, I did a power rankings of the point guards. Yeah, that was very- Andrew Bach was number one. Uh, some player who played for Nebraska that he thought played for Creighton was two. Like, everyone and insert insert recruiting article pay site paywall is three, and then like everyone else is four. Yeah, that was my only one I got off in the time that BYU and Pacific were sorting themselves out. Mm-hmm. Which is a good game, it seemed like. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I don't think I deserve a punishment for that. I was trying to will some fun into existence. I mean, and I, and, I th- and I think with the benefit of hindsight, knowing that we, we would have had to watch with that Creighton DePaul game. Now, I still uh, feel like that's a dub. Do, do you remember the Blue Jay Cafe logo? It was like Billy Blue Jay playing the saxophone. I think that was Blue Jay Cafe. It might have been Blue Notes. I don't know. It might have been a Gitmo thing. I can't remember. But there was a logo of a Blue Jay playing a fucking saxophone. 
Uh-huh. Buddy and I have always had this running joke that like someone should get that tattooed on them as but instead of Billy Blue Jay playing the saxophone, it's Billy Blue Jay smoking a joint. And then like when you become like you get into fatherhood and you have this like growing experience, then you get like the joint turned into a saxophone again. <laughs> it's like an evolution of the of man who wears right. the tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is a dumb story, but I felt like I needed to share it. I mean, I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, it was a dumb story, but I think you knew that going in, and you still shared it anyway. Yeah, that was funny. Oh, you did? Okay. I apologize then. It was pretty funny. I know, but I called it dumb, so I apologize, because I didn't think you thought it was funny when you told me. Some things can be funny, man. Right, but I thought it was dumb, and I thought that's why you were telling it, but you were telling it because it was because you thought it was funny, so I'm apologizing for making that assumption. That dumb and funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a little dramatic pause in there. Can we make the blue? Can we make the blue jay the mutated mutated bird that I want to make? What, what should we? What would we even call that thing? We have to come up with a name for him or it. Um, mutated the mutated blue jay. I mean, don't worry about it right now. Let it come organic. No, I'm thinking about it right now. Let it come I'm organic. Nothing about something like that right now. Okay, go ahead. I'll give you thirty seconds. Are we to come up with a name for it? Yeah, because I don't want you to sit here forever. I want it to come organically because that's how all the great things happen. I mean, you can do like. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Never mind. Let's 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 shelve this idea. Coward. <laughs> I mean, you could do uh, Birdzilla or like Birdzega with Zegarowski. No, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah you should have not said that out loud. Well, you know what? You called me a coward, so I decided <laughs> to stand up for myself. <laughs> and in and in and in turn, you actually defeated yourself by saying it out loud, which is. You know, yeah, what I was going for the whole time. Yeah, I'm used to that. Okay. Well, this was fun. Did we recap basketball? I think we did. Uh, we tried. Yeah. As much as you can recap a DePaul basketball game, I think we did it. So that will be all from us tonight. Um, thank you for tuning in, as always. Um, I appreciate your feedback, uh, your questions, as creative as they can be. Um, never deep dish pizza. Remember that for future reference. So let's make two rules going forward. We don't ask about deep dish pizza ever again. And we don't ever ask why Mitch isn't shooting enough. Like those are the two. We've learned two things about ourselves through this season, everybody. We've learned we don't ask why Mitch isn't shooting the ball because he does <laughs> other stuff too. And we've learned not to ask about deep dish pizza because it's not pizza. Those are two pretty good, good Two pretty good rules to start off as we make this list, right? Mm-hmm. Into the future that we don't understand or know, you know, as we make this better world for ourselves. Yeah, it's important well, to have. It's more da- important to have a foundation. So I think yeah. I think you know those are two good ways to start right there. If you got to build society, I mean, those are the, I mean, two staples, right? Yeah, I think it's a good way to start. Yeah, in my opinion. All right, so uh, next Wednesday or Wednesday coming up, I guess, pink out game versus Georgetown. 
Um, is it on CBS Sports Network? Is it Georgetown? I don't even know. No, no. I, think it's on, I think it's on FS1. Yeah, only, only DePaul games are on CBS Sports Network this year. Okay. I believe that's correct. <sighs> Maybe. Could be. Yeah. I'll run okay. with it. Um, yeah, Jordan Scurry and I will be on that one. Um, I actually have a little creative twist for that podcast, so it might not be what you guys think, um, but I'll let you know in the days ahead what, what, I, what I'm planning here for that one. Uh, but that's next time we'll be coming at you. Uh, in the meantime, between that, between now and then, check out this podcast on whiteandbluereview.com. It'll be on iTunes, so subscribe there to get it first um, when it drops. And then uh, Jordan and I will have a new episode of Scurry in the Scrub uh, recording tomorrow. It'll be like a Super Bowl special type. Uh, we'll have some guests um, to talk some trash about Brady versus Mahomes. Um, we'll talk more about the Jays. And yeah, just do our thing. So check that out. It'll be dropping Monday. This one will drop Sunday. So yeah, keep listening. Keep tuning in. Keep going to White and Blue Review for your coverage of Creighton basketball. Alex, thanks for hopping on and killing a couple hours on this Saturday night with me. Um, appreciate you, man. Yeah, appreciate you too. Cool. Later, everybody. Have a good weekend. <laughs>